0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of High on Infinity, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. I am your host, Jacob Knight, and we got a great episode lined up for you today, folks. Today, we're talking about the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes and finally giving him the respect he deserves. Then, we're going to talk about one of my favorite shows, Brooklyn 99 coming back to TV. And during the Super Bowl, we finally, finally. Got teasers to the Marvel Disney Plus shows. Then lastly, of course, by the name, Mamba Forever, we're going to honor the late, great NBA legend, the GOAT, Kobe Bryant. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, 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 it's that time of the week again, everybody. High on Infinity, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. I am your host, Jekim M. like always. Your first time listening to the podcast, Welcome to the podcast, and if you are a returning listener, we're glad to have you back for another great episode. And once again, thank you for all the support, all the retweets, shares, likes, and subscribes it mean the world to me. I thank you for listening to this podcast. Whenever, whether you listen to it, the day it comes out, the next day, a week later, you let three or four episodes stack up, and you listen to them all in one sitting. Whatever you do to support the podcast, just keep doing it. I greatly appreciate it. And hope everybody's doing well. I'm doing great myself. Quick life update: nothing too much going on. Uh, I started the keto diet this past Monday. It's day three for me. I'm doing thirty days. See if I could do that. If I do, and you no, know, if I make it through that, I'm gonna try to go fifty days later on in the year. And also, I got a promotion at my job today. Really excited about that. Um, for from what I know, I'm still gonna do the podcast. It's still gonna come out the same day. Um, Just try to see how my work schedule is, but more than likely, it's gonna stay the same. Just gonna work the rest of this month in my current department and then, you know, I start in my new department in March. And anything else going on with me right now? Oh, yes, uh, might as well preview next week's episode while we're at it. Next week, of course, Birds of Prey comes out this Friday, so I'm gonna try to see it this weekend. And have a review for next, uh, next on next ep- next week's episode. Um, more than likely, is gonna be I'm gonna talk spoilers, so just, uh, just a warning right now. And also, next week in the spirit of Valentine's Day, I've been debating on telling this story. I know I hint, I probably talked about it a couple times on the podcast, but I'm gonna tell you my embarrassing Valentine's Day story that happened to me last year. That should be <laughs> should be really fun, and I hope y'all get a laugh out of it. Uh, on Valentine's Day, but let's get into these topics. Okay, Super Bowl Fifty Four. To be honest, overall it was a great game, back and forth for the most part. um I watched it at a red at a Red Robin's uh with some friends. And I know you like Red Robins, and it, me too. I was like that at first when they hit me. I was like, "Hey, Jacob, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're gonna watch the Super Bowl." And I was like, okay. We're gonna to go to a, you know a bar, both a Wild Wings, Hooters. It's like Red Robins. I was a little skeptical at first because you know it's. First off, it's so random when you think about going somewhere and watching the game. But to be honest, I had a good time because it was not that crowded. And me, being an introvert, I did not mind that. You know, we sat at the bar, we watched the game. We had burgers and the endless fries going around, so that was real good. And the staff was nice enough to let us stay until after close so we could finish the rest of the game. I think there's probably about a couple minutes left. I think Kansas City was on their last drive. Not the Damian Williams touchdown, but the last drive to take the lead. So they were nice enough to let us stay until the game was over. So shout out to the good folks down at Red Robbins. And if you didn't know, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers 31 to 20. Like I said, it was close throughout most of the game until Kansas City pulled away in the final few minutes. And there was no podcast episode last week. I'm against that. I'm going to get into that reason why later on, so I didn't publicly state my pick. But if you follow me on my social media accounts, you can see me gushing over Patrick Mahomes throughout this playoff run. So going off that, you could probably tell who I was rooting for in the Super Bowl. But congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs winning their first Super Bowl in 50 years. And, and a big congratulations to Andy Reid for winning his first Super Bowl title. Very well-deserved, and he finally got that monkey off his back if he can't win the big one. Because to be honest, Andy Reid is one of the greatest football coaches of this era, and probably one of the best offensive minds in football. I saw a post, I think it was on Facebook or Twitter, about Andy Reid. Said Andy Reid has a lifetime guarantee. Andy Reid has a lifetime invite to the cookout because of his support of the black quarterback. Because you know he drafted Donovan McNabb, had a, had very good success with Donovan Donovan McNabb. Uh, he gave Michael Vick a chance by signing him. Once he was released from prison from the dogfighting charges, had a few good years with them, and he drafted Patrick Mahomes and won the Super Bowl with him. So big congratulations. Um, Big congratulations to Andy Reid. But like I said, the Super Bowl was a back-and-forth affair. And, it, and to me, the Super Bowl all boiled down to one thing. With your back against the wall, chip pushed to the middle of the table, all the money on the line, who would you rather have a quarterback? Jimmy Garoppolo or Patrick Mahomes, and it's a no-brainer. It's Patrick Mahomes. He put the team on his back, late in the fourth quarter, with two touchdown drives to take a twenty-four to twenty lead. And granted, this this was not Mahomes' um, best game. Uh, he had two hundred eighty yards passing, three total touchdowns, and two interceptions. One of the interceptions was his fault because it bounced off Tyreek Hill. Then. A 40 ers player caught it, but when the throws had to be made, he made them. One example was finally taking advantage of the matchup against Richard Sherman, because Sherman, you no, know, he's 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 up there in age for a cornerback, and he covered Tyreek Hill majority of the game. And I was surprised that they ne- they never told they never told Hill to go deep when um, Richard Sherman was covered when he was covered by Richard Sherman, but they finally took took advantage of that because I think they were down twenty to ten and Mahomes completed a deep pass to Sammy Watkins while covered by Richard Sherman. And um, I think watching the game, I was getting mad at Kansas City receivers because I know they're very fast, but every time they caught the ball, they always try to juke four people to get extra yards. And some of the times they tried to juke, they lost yardage. I think Travis Kelsey, there was one point he had a first down, but he juked his way back uh, behind the first down, and 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 they didn't get the first down. But they finally, you know, Made the plays that made the plays that needed to be made, and another turning point of the game was Mahomes finally using his legs, whether that was buying time or running out the pocket or running for some extra yards. And his performance led him to be the Super Bowl MVP, making him the, the only the third Black quarterback to win Super Bowl MVP. The, the other two being. Doug Williams when he won with the Buccaneers and Russell Wilson when he won with the Seahawks. And he's also the second youngest QB to win a Super Bowl behind Ben Roethlisberger. And at the age of 24, Mahomes is already a MVP, Super Bowl MVP, and a Super Bowl winner. Like I stated before, I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan. And I, I knew or we all knew Patrick Mahomes was the truth when Brady, you know, went out his way after the AFC title game last year to speak to him to be like, hey, man. You almost got me. You're the real deal. Because, like I said before, Peyton Manning is my favorite NFL player of all time. But when Mahomes is all said and done and keeps this path, he may become my favorite at the end of his career. And also the reason why I like Mahomes, a couple uh Mahomes so much is because I drafted him two straight years. And fantasy football, and was not disappointed. I remember his first year starting. I was watching one of those fantasy football shows, and it was like a sleeper pickup to get is Patrick Mahomes. And I didn't draft him, but I picked him up off waiver wires. Then he ended up throwing fifty touchdowns that year, and I got to the and and, and I got to the think I got to the playoffs. Granted, I lost in the first round, not because of Patrick Mahomes, because ESPN didn't tell me Todd Gurley was hurt when his game started they told me when the game started that Gurley wasn't playing and for those you who know who for those of you who play fantasy football once the game starts you can't change no players out but <laughs> yeah but to me Patrick Mahomes he's kind of he's kind of spoiling NFL fans to me because we're used to seeing him throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns every game but, and anything less than that we're going to consider that an average performance and I asked myself one more thing to close this out. Is this the beginning of the Mahomes era? I'm not saying they're gonna win the Super Bowl every year, but I think there'll be major players in the NFL for the foreseeable future? Would it be surprised? Wouldn't it be surprised if they won another Super Bowl within the next five years? Because most of the young players they have, such as Kelsey, uh, mainly Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, are under contract for the next two years. And Mahomes is probably gonna sign the biggest NFL contract. After next season, and, and 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 now as the old guard is nearing the end, you know Brady, Big Ben, Rogers, and Breeze. The new guard led by Mahomes, along with Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson, and plenty of other young QBs. You know Dak Prescott, Jared Goff. Get thinking of them off the top of my head. Um, me might as well throw Russell Wilson in there. He's kind of like he's kind of like in between the old guard and the young QBs, but. With those three and a plethora of other quarterbacks, it's safe to say that the NFL is in good hands for the future. One of my favorite shows on television finally makes his long-awaited return. Yes, Brooklyn 9 is back for his seventh season, February 6th. Well, I'm recording this on February 5th, so tomorrow, February 6th, that's when it comes back on. A quick little premise to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a show that follows the police squad of Brooklyn's 99th precinct. Most of the storylines and scenes take place on the job, whether that's you know in the streets, on patrol, or at the, at the pr- police precinct itself, basically making it a work-based comedy along the lines of The Office, Parks and Rec, Superstore, and et cetera. So how I got to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, okay. This is a show that I always wanted to watch, but never really had the time because I was still in college when it started. And it was, to my knowledge, it wasn't on no streaming services yet. And while I was watching another show on Netflix called, no, on Hulu called New Girl, it's another great show uh, I recommend to watch. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was one of the recommended shows, you know, in, in the recommended section for that show. So I added it on my list because the show just got canceled after five seasons so I was like I got time to watch it so I'm not gonna you know hurry up and watch it I think then a week later uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was picked up by another network and season six was gonna come on in about a month so in the span of a month I watched the first five seasons and that's when I fell in love with the show to me the show was so funny and I try to tell all my friends to watch it I, I think I'm borderline knowing my friends to watch Brooklyn 99. and I share a lot of the uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine memes on Facebook. And it's cool seeing other people like the show. And it's good to see a fellow 9 er That's what the fan base call themselves. And to me, what makes Brooklyn Nine-Nine so good? First off, it's unique for its genre. You know, because most police-based shows usually fall underneath you know, the drama category. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine flips the script and takes it from a comedy approach, uh, which is few and far between. I think I want to say reno nine reno nine nine is probably the last police-based comedy show i could probably think of off the top of my head but to me you know the show is very funny uh i get at least one or two like laugh out loud moments every episode and the show you know usually so one like usually shows have that one person for the comedic relief uh but this one you know the comedy does the, just doesn't come from one person multiple people on the show was very funny and makes it better because you know the You know the the cast got good got good chemistry. They can bounce off each other. And also, one of the reasons I like the show is the show is very diverse. I know I talk a lot about representation in television, movies, and representation matters because you know we're gonna we're gonna not react. I can't think of the word. We're attracted to things. Hmm. I really lost my train of thought right now, man. But uh, you know what I'm trying to say, like. People are bound to watch something if they ha- if they see someone on that shit shed- on that said show, movie, etc., that looks like them. Yes. But Brooklyn 99 has that uh diversity representation. You have the black representation, you got the Latino representation, you got women representation, you know, women in powerful positions, just like men. And you have your LGBTQ representation. And also, you have I think they're having another character from Asian descent. So you got your Asian representation as well. And another reason I like this show, I know it's a lot of reasons, but another reason I like this show is how socially conscious the show can be at times because a lot of shows today don't want to tackle, you know, some of the issues going on right now because, you know, maybe it's going to they, they're afraid of declining in viewership. But Brooklyn 99, they don't, you know, they don't mind tackling these issues. But first off, like they don't and also uh brooklyn 99 is very meta uh, basically a meta when a show is meta they basically reference things that are real in the real world i think one of the one of the most funniest funnier references is when they reference the guy that created the fire fi- the fire fest uh festival and but like i said before uh, brooklyn 99 isn't ta- isn't afraid to tackle these hot and button issues that's happening in the real world as we speak you know like flaws in the justice system Racial profiling and sexual harassment in the workplace. And yeah, Brooklyn 99 does a great job of balancing, you know, the comedy aspect with the seriousness of these issues when they do these kinds of episodes. So I know I, like, Jacob, man, the way you're explaining that Brooklyn 99 sounds really good. Yes, it is. So when Brooklyn 99 comes back on, like I said, comes back on February 6th. I'm recording this February 5th. So by the time you're listening to this, it comes out February 6th at 8 p.m., I think. On on NBC, 8 p.m. on NBC. Uh, yeah, I didn't write I didn't write the channel on my notes, but yeah, on NBC, they're showing the first two episodes at eight and eight thirty. And I want to say after that is every Thursday at eight thirty on NBC. And if you've never seen the show and you know you want to check into it uh, because you know some people are like I want to watch it, but I want to see the previous seasons first. Hulu has the first six seasons on his platform. And if you have Hulu in and if you have Hulu, it adds the new episode to the current season the day after it premieres. So you need. So if you need something new to watch, you know you finish the Witcher series, which I haven't, which I haven't even started yet, because I'm not gonna succumb to the pressures of social media. So if you already watched the, if you ready watch the Witcher or another popular show on Netflix out at the moment, I highly recommend watching Brooklyn Nine Nine and. And like I said, I've watched all the first six seasons twice already, and I'm very excited for this new season. But once again, Brooklyn Nine-Nine comes back February 6th at 8 o'clock, and after that, every Thursday at 8.30 on NBC. And check it out uh, on Hulu if you have a chance as well. Okay, so it's safe to say that most of us, who has Disney Plus, or plans on getting Disney Plus in the future, like myself, only is going to get it for the upcoming Marvel shows. And this year, we're getting two of them. First, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It got a premiere date, sort of. Um, As we know, the show will be released in August. More than likely, it will follow the weekly release formula of the Mandarin. And to my knowledge, the show will consist of six episodes, roughly about an hour long. And each episode will be... MCU movie quality to my knowledge and and so far we know that the actors who played Falcon and the Winter Soldier Sebastian Stan who plays Falcon and no Sebastian Stan who plays Winter Soldier and Anthony, Anthony Mackie who plays Falcon are reprising their roles, and other people from past Marvel movies are reprising their roles as well in this series, such as Baron Zemo, the villain in Civil War, and the return of Sharon Carter. Uh, she was in The Winter Soldier and Civil War, and she's back as well. So what's the plot? A little about the plot has been revealed. All we know is that it takes place after Endgame, but doesn't say how long after uh, Endgame it takes place. For what people are assuming uh, is that one of the plot points will be the government and some other people are not happy that Sam Wilson is uh, the new Captain America, and it follows a similar storyline to the comics. And there's the there's you know reasons unknown at the moment why why the government doesn't want Sam to be the new Captain America. I put a joke in here. Why does you know why didn't I want uh Sam why not why didn't I want Sam to be Captain America in my in my notes? Cause he cause he black. And you know <laughs> all jokes aside, uh, this has been a very popular debate amongst the show because in the MCU telling of this story and what happened so far people like bucky, you know the winter soldier because it should take the mantle of Captain America you know uh because uh, nothing against Falcon but his story hasn't been as fleshed out as bucky's because you know bucky played a vital role in two of the most important movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe the winter soldier and civil war and but we don't find, but um we haven't really we haven't really found out more details or oh, we're not going to find out more details until later on about the about under uh, the show but during the super bowl they had a ad for it from quick glimpses of the sh- of the show it looks very interesting we saw sam practicing throwing the you know the captain america shield we got a first shot i think the first shot was a was a shield stuck in a tree and then you see sam you know pull it out uh pull it out pause um <laughs> and he saw bucky who appears to be pointing a gun at the villain Zemo and this is uh this is a Marvel show I'm looking forward to the most assuming that we get a tra- a full trailer over the summer and more details of Comic-Con in July and we get the premiere date you know the next month in August the second show uh, they showed during the Super Bowl was WandaVision you know by the name WandaVision which I'm still not a fan of you know follows Wanda, the Scarlet Witch and Vision this is the first time wanda will be will be referred to as the scarlet witch that's something i didn't notice until it brought to my attention and we'll see the, the return of visions this is death in affinity war and how will they bring back vision and i don't know but marvel will find some way for it to all make sense and the show was set to premiere in october being no yeah, the show was set to premiere this october moved up from a 2021 release date announced earlier last year no formal Reason why the date was moved up. Very few details about the show has been revealed. And of course it takes place after Endgame. And some part of the show will take place in the nineteen fifties and eventually move on until present day. But some of the cast will include actors, you know, the actors who play Wanda and Vision are returning. You have Monica Rambo, the daughter of Maria Rambo, the best friend of Captain America. She'll be an adult in this telling. You have uh Kat Denny's character, she reprises her role in the from the first two Thor movies. And you also have the FBI agent that try, that was trying to catch Scott and Ant Man and the Wasp will also be in the uh, Wanda Vision. In my opinion, the show should be called Scarlet Vision if they're trying to push you know us to, to call Wanda Scarlet. So Scarlet Vision to me makes sounds a whole lot better. Uh it'll be one of the more interesting Marvel shows because this this is one of the shows that will tie into into a future movie. Stated in the past, uh, this film will tie into the Doctor Strange sequel, Doctor Strange in the Madness of the Multiverse, and like I said, that's probably the most that's probably the bi- that's probably the the Marvel movie I'm looking forward to the most because that's the biggest theory is that that's how they're going to introduce the X Men and Deadpool through that movie, bring them in through the multiverse, and the show is set to premiere in October, and they did get a Super Bowl ad. Uh, the show is. The, the, the show will, like I said, somewhat take place in the 1950s. From the looks of it, it had it takes inspiration from the 1950s sitcoms, and it shows Scarlet Witch in her comic accurate um, costume. And I was curious on how they got to the 1950s, and well, and, and and how they get to present day for the remainder of the show. Then, you know, I did some research. I'm not gonna lie; I really don't know too much about Scarlet Witch, but it was brought to my attention by a friend. And some research that Scarlet Witch has reality warping power abilities. So basically, this all this, this whole show may be just in her head, and in her head, vision is still alive. And I watched a breakdown video shows that um that shows that this this show is gonna take place across different decades the fifties, sixties, the seventies, eighties, and the nineties, up to, to, up until the two thousands. And it showed in one of the one of the decades that Wanda was pregnant. And I was like, how? How is she pregnant by Vision? Like, what? You know, we, we're we all adults here. We all know where babies come from. But how? Like, she's a human. And Vision is basically a computer somewhat. So did he impreg- impregnate her with like 88 gigabytes worth of data or something? I don't know. That's probably what the show was for. But will Morning than well, I could get a trailer at Comic-Con with an actual release date Assuming Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out mid-August, ends, ends at the end of September, early October, and WandaVision is gonna just piggyback off that, uh, off the end of that show and come out, you know, the following Friday or whenever after Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends. And this is in in a year where this is considered a quote-unquote slow year for Marvel because they only got two movies coming out this year: Black Widow and the Eternals. I'm glad to see Marvel is trying to build up. Uh, some of their upcoming TV shows. And, I, and I'm excited on how these two shows are going to tie into the events of Endgame and build to future movies. Okay, so, you know, for those of you who didn't know, last week, January 26th, NBA legend Kobe Bryant sadly passed away. He was one of... Nine passengers in a helicopter crash, out in in Calabasas, California, about 45 minutes outside of L.A. And other pas- other passengers that perished in the crash included his 13-year-old daughter, a teammate and her parents, another teammate and her parents, uh, a coach and the pilot. And my prayers are still going out to the Bryant family, the Altabelly family, the Mauser family, the Zabian family, and the Chester family. And this was just a very very. Sad to see happen, and after you know seeing this on the news, I just didn't have the urge or the drive to do any research, you know, record a podcast, edit a podcast, and put it out. So, um, you know, I appreciate y'all understanding that and just you know giving me the time to finally you know be ready to talk about uh, this. My reaction, like everyone, everyone else, is I was shocked, stunned, and to be honest, it still doesn't feel real to me. We're probably two a week and a half since his death, and it's just still. Still, we weird seeing his picture, you know, with the birth year and the death year underneath it. It's like a it's like a cruel Photoshop joke that you just wish, you know, someone has pop out and say April Fool's. You know, it's not real. But I, I'm not going to lie. This death hit me hard. But, for, you know, being a longtime Laker fan and a diehard Kobe fan, my favorite NBA player ever. It just feels like you lost a family member. And granted, I, n- I never met the man, never seen him play. But you don't have to meet a person for them to have an impact. On your life, you know, and some of my favorite basketball memories involve Kobe and this death put a lot of things in perspective uh, for me because I remember exactly what I was doing when this happened. I was just laying on the couch about the walk. I was watching Netflix. I was about to cook dinner about three o'clock. I know three o'clock is probably a little too early to cook dinner. I was hungry. And that's, you know, one of my friends in a group chat, he posted, you know, Kobe died in the helicopter crash. TMZ reported it. And I'm not saying TMZ is an unreliable source, but I just wanted, you know, some more confirmation. Like everyone else, I thought it was fake. Then I got on Twitter. I saw a whole bunch of, you know, please God don't let this be true posts. Not not Kobe. All that stuff. And once, you know, I saw it on ESPN, ABC, Fox News. You know, once it confirmed it was real, can't even lie to you. I was, I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't even, like, I lost my appetite. I, I ate like at 7 o'clock that night. I just completely lost all motivation to do anything, and yeah, yeah. But Kobe's death really hit me hard because you know uh, I really don't like mourn. Well, I, you know, celebrity deaths really don't get to me that much. Like, well, I get sad, but you know, I'm like, man, that's really sad. Because, uh, but this death, this Kobe death, got to, got to me. Hit me really hard because you know some some of us. So sometimes we look at these big athletes, musicians, and movie stars. Is not, not untouchable, but invincible in a way because you like stuff like this can happen to them. Like especially Kobe Bryant because he's Kobe Bryant. You know, like he can't go out like this. You know, Kobe was supposed to, you know, he's supposed to live until he was to he was like ninety eight hundred years old. He was supposed to grow old, see his grandkids, be there for his you know the twenty fifth and the 50th anniversary Lakers championship teams. He's supposed to give his Hall of Fame speech later on this year. It's just very very. Sad to see. And this Kobe, you know, because Kobe, Kobe meant a lot to a lot of people, especially the fans of basketball and Laker fans, um, particularly, you know, what Kobe meant to me, like, like I said, I'm a Lakers fan through and through. Mom was a Lakers fan. Dad's a Lakers fan. Grandma's a Lakers fan. She got a picture with Magic Johnson at a book signing in the early 90s. And I became a Lakers fan around the year 2000 when my parents sat me down. And maybe watch the finals when the Lakers beat the Pacers to start off the three-peat. And I still have that two thousand NBA championship shirt in my closet as we speak. And you know, ever since I watched basketball, Kobe's been a huge part of that. And he, you know, you know, and we had the crew back then. We had Kobe, Shaq, Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, Big Shot Robert Ory, who I met at a Lakers game a couple years ago. Like you just don't. Get the name Big Shot Rob, and it's not you know just not use it. I think I when I met him I was like, "Hello, Mr. Big Shot Robert Dory." He's like, "You don't have to call me Big Shot Robert Ori He's like, "Okay, Big Shot Robert Ory. and we was led by the Zen Master himself, Phil Phil Jackson. And yeah, like I said, I took a, I took a picture with Robert Ori at that Lakers game as well. And Lakers are by far my favorite sports team. Um, you know, I've been through the the highs and the lows with this team from the Shaq and Kobe breakup. The dark days after the breakup, the finals loss to the Celtics, the back-to-back title wins in 2009, 2010. We had the crew back then as well. We had Kobe, Gasol, Bynum, uh, Ron Artest, or Meta World Peace. I can't remember which one he went by by the time. And we had Trevor Ariza. And Kobe's been a huge part of my Lakers fandom throughout the years. And like I said, that's what Kobe became my favorite NBA player ever. And it's safe to say, I'm not going to lie, I'm a Kobe stan. Because the Laker fans pray to two people. We pray to Kobe and we pray to God. Well, Kobe, we pray to God and then Kobe. You know, some Laker fans may vice versa. You know, pray to Kobe then to then to God because we take Kobe Bryant talk real serious. If someone disrespects Kobe Bryant, wait like back when yeah back when Kobe was playing, and if someone disrespected him. I can't lie. We wanted to fight him. That's how serious we are about Kobe. And I ain't gonna lie. I get I get in my feelings when someone disrespects Kobe. Like you know, I personally think Kobe Bryant's the goat. And when people ask me, you know, Jacob, who was the goat? MJ LeBron? You know, my smart ass, Kobe. Because uh, the debate it was brought up, you know, you know, m- amongst fans is MJ, LeBron, MJ, LeBron. Even I was talking to my friend at the Super Bowl it was like, dude, how come no one ever brings up? Uh, Kobe, like why Kobe's never brought up in the goat conversation, and Kobe, and you know Kobe Bryant, you know he taught me a lot. He taught us how to be great, and what you know to be great, it takes hard work. You know, willing to work, you know, willing to willing to outwork everybody to reach that greatness. And once you find your craft, no matter if it's sports, drawing, you know, podcasting in this instance, once you find your craft, you work on it until you you, you consider yourself the best. Some of my Favorite basketball memories involve Kobe Bryant. You have the 2006 game winner against the Phoenix Suns. I remember it, it was a tip-in. Kobe got the tip, drove to the drove to the free throw line, pulled up, switched nothing but net buzzer beater. Uh, let's forget about they booted 3-1 lead after that game. We ain't going to talk about that. Just the game-winning shot. I remember the dunk on Steve Nash. Granted, it was just little Steve Nash, but still, he elevated and dunked on him. Steve Nash, probably my second favorite basketball player of all time. I loved watching him growing up. Just the battles that the Lakers and the Suns had. The Suns always gave us trouble. The Suns had the crew too. They had Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, Leandro Barbosa, Boris Diaw, Rajah Bell. They had a, they had a pretty good team back then. We had plenty of battles with the Suns back in the day. And also a few more a few more uh, favorite coping memories. The 2009 game winner against the Heat where he he where he banked a shot from the top of the key over Dwayne Wade. And got Kobe Bryant's final game where he scored 60 points to get the Utah Jazz. And he did it in the most Kobe fashion ever, taking <laughs> taking 50 shots. Cause we always joked about Kobe always gonna shoot. And he's like, Hell, this is my last game. I'm gonna shoot as much as I want. He got every he made every single shot count uh, during that game. He had the other legendary moments uh where Matt Barnes Pump fake the ball in front of Kobe's face, and he didn't, and he didn't flinch. And also, the I think Chris Childs when he punched Kobe twice. A lot of people are gonna make fun of Kobe, but if you watch that video, yes, Kobe caught a two piece in the in the face, but he didn't. But Kobe didn't flinch. He didn't fall down. He was like, "You just punched me. I'm gonna try to get at you back." So a lot of people forget that. People think since um, Chris Childs punched Kobe, he fell he fell down. No, Kobe took the two piece like a champ, and he wanted to fight. And but also probably my favorite Kobe memory of all time probably has to be doesn't involve a Kobe shot. It's a Kobe pass. The pass to Ron Artest for the three in game seven in NBA finals. I remember this like it was yesterday. I was at my house. Close game. Kobe had the ball guarded by Ray Allen. He uh he, he tried to drive. He kicked it out. The Ron Artest was wide open. I think it was Ron Artest or Middle World Peace. I can't remember what he was or what he went by at the time. But he kicked it out. Of, I'm going to say Artest because I already said Artest a lot. He kicked it out of the Artest. And I'm sitting there like, don't shoot it. Don't shoot it. He shot it. And then nothing but then I was like, oh, never mind. You're good. And that was probably it's probably my favorite Kobe moment because Kobe wasn't, well, it, it was a joke that Kobe never passed the ball. And, you know, in the most crucial point in the game, he passed the ball for a shot to be made, and and you know this, the, just just those memories. I'm probably gonna tell my kids and my grandkids about. But it was overall, it was good seeing the overwhelming support and the tributes to Kobe Bryant on how you know, on social media, like how many people he inspired uh, throughout the years. Because you had all different types of athletes from all kind of sports other than basketball. You had football, soccer, tennis, even professional wrestling, pay some sort of tribute. To Kobe. And I watched a lot of the tributes on the te- on television, including the TNT tribute with Shaq. You know, cause Shaq and Kobe will be forever linked. You know, and seeing him so emotional was just so eye-opening. And I'm not gonna lie myself, I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried I cried when uh when Kobe Bryant, you know, when he when he passed away. I was shit. Shed- I was like literally shedding real tears. Like, you know, it just hit- it just it just hit me that hard. Even other people my other friend some of my other friends said they cried I went to work the next day and a you know one of my a couple of my coworkers one guy he was like I'm not, I'm not even a Kobe fan and I was crying even a Celtics fan came up to me and she was like I hate the Lakers but when Kobe died I started crying so you can see all the people he touched you know throughout the sport of, you know throughout basketball and LeBron you know and, you know LeBron's tribute was very touching as well you know all the tributes were very touching and very Heartwarming and feel good. But, but LeBron tribute, you know, uh resonated with me because him and Kobe are gonna be forever linked in a way. Not not like how Kobe and Shaq was, you know, how Kobe and Shaq was forever linked because they played together. But it was just, you know, Kobe, you know, Kobe was you know, for a good bit of the year or a good part of their careers, it was, you know, Kobe, LeBron, Kobe, LeBron, Kobe, LeBron. I remember doing a I think it was ninth grade. Ninth grade English. We had a debate paper. We had to write. Well, we had two. You know, we had to get two issues. You know, we had to bring up two issues and say why was one better than the other. And I chose why was Kobe Bryant better than better than LeBron James as my debate research paper. And I remember, you know, we we all, we came really close to having that Kobe versus LeBron final. The finals everybody wanted, but we never got. And, yeah, but to me, yeah, they're going to be forever linked, length, you know, in a, in a way. And also, you know, with a social media post, uh, I hate the fact that people were criticizing LeBron. I think uh, someone on Twitter, uh, they screenshotted some of the comments and posted it on Twitter. You know, people were criticizing LeBron because he, quote, unquote, took too long to speak, to, you know, speak on Kobe. To me, it's like, stop it. Uh, that's one of the most... You know, one of the toxic aspects of social media, in my opinion, I hate that people put out. You know, that people put out that put out the energy just because you post later than someone else means you care less about the situation. No, because people, you know, grieve and mourn, you know, differently. And LeBron's posts, you know, he said he spoke to Kobe that morning. Well, just imagine you speak to a friend, and two hours later, they're dead. You know, they're gone. That's gonna weigh on someone mind you know that's gonna psychologically weigh on someone's mind and of course Kobe's wife is gonna mourn the most because she lost a husband she lost a child you know a mother is not supposed to bury their child it's supposed to be the other way around and you know judging by some of the crazy folks on social media that judging by their judging by their you gotta be you gotta post first logic just because LeBron posted first before Kobe's wife means he cared about her death more than his own wife no, stop it. It's not a it's not a contest to show that, you know, just because you post quicker than someone else doesn't mean you care about the issue more than, you know, the other person. But, this, you know, just wrapping this up, you know, when Kobe passed, like I said, uh, like I said, uh, it wasn't when Kobe, this is how I was looking at the situation. When Kobe passed, I wasn't like, oh, my God, Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, died. No. I was talking about Kobe the person died because first and foremost, you know, Kobe was a husband, a father, a son and a friend, you know, uh, you know, a, you know, kids lost their dad. A woman lost her husband, um, you know, even with all the families, you know, they, you know, husbands was lost. Uh, kids was lost. Friends was lost. Uncles, aunts, whatever. It just broke my heart. Also, that three to three of the of the of uh, the of the victims was teenagers, you know, probably about 13 or 14. It's just, you know, this is sad because, you know, teenagers, they, they had a whole life to live. They, you know, they were supposed to get their driver's license. They're supposed to go to prom, go to graduation, gra- uh, you know, attend college, play basketball on higher levels. It's just sad to see, you know, it's sad to see all pass away, but those three teenagers probably hit me, you know, equally as hard, equally as hard, um, as well. And like, like I said, in like I said uh, at the beginning of this, Kobe's death brought a lot of perspective to things. That's why you know we got to tell our friends and family that how much we love them because you never know what's going to happen. And it shows that... And also it, it's also, it shows that it's okay to cry. It's okay to show emotion with this kind of stuff and seek comfort in others when you're sad. But this may be a cliche. And, yeah, this, this may be a cliche, but like I said, you know, like they say, life is... You know, with life to the fullest because tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Hell, the last hour, you know, the next hour isn't guaranteed. And like I said, my prayers go to the Bryant, belly the Mauser, the Zobayan, and the Chester family. May they all rest in peace and rest in peace to the goat Kobe Bryant. Thanks for the memories that you gave us in the great game of basketball. In the words of LeBron James, "Mamba out, but not forgotten." Thank you for listening to another episode of High on Infinity. I greatly appreciate y'all taking time on y'all busy day to give this podcast a listen. Please like, subscribe, share the podcast. Tell your family, tell your friends about the podcast. Follow me on social media at SoYamAsian on Instagram and Twitter. And follow the podcast on Twitter at High Infinity Pod. And please, like I said, tell your family and tell your friends that you love them. That it doesn't matter, you know. How many times to say it? Just let them know that you care about them and please love one another and see y'all next week. Mamba forever.